Israel runs away from the Lord as dynasty after dynasty repeats the sins of the past. But soon the most wicked dynasty rises on The Bible Brief. Our goal is to get 100 new monthly supporters before the end of 2023. Will you be one of the 100? Give today at BibleLit.org. If you look at a counterfeit bill with the naked eye, it looks just like any other legitimate bill. So much so that at any given time, many counterfeits are in circulation among the actual currency of most nations. Some are so convincing that even under a microscope, few if any differences can be detected even by the trained eye. But counterfeit bills remain counterfeit, not because of imperfections in copying, but because of the issuer of the bill. In fact, if you were to steal a dollar printing machine from the Treasury of the United States, set it up in your home and begin printing bills, you would still not be printing legitimate bills. They would be counterfeit, not due to an illegitimate or imperfect printer. They would be counterfeit because they were printed by you. You are not authorized to print US dollars, so any bill you print would be by its very nature counterfeit. This is true of any religion, just as much as it is true of bills. There are religions out there that can appear to produce pious, moral, and upstanding citizens. They can appear, perhaps, to look somewhat like Christianity, producing care for the poor, serving the sick, and many other morally good things. Appearances, however, can be deceiving. Appearance alone doesn't make a legitimate dollar bill, and appearance doesn't make legitimate religion. Legitimate religion is that which is instituted and sanctioned by God himself, and any other religious system or belief that's contrary to God's instruction is by nature false religion. Its appearance may be good, various teachings may be moral, but inside it remains a fruitless exercise of futility because at its very heart, false religion rejects God because it rejects God's instruction. The God of the universe says this to all who would follow him. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. He doesn't say, if you love me, keep living a moral life. He doesn't say, if you love me, keep your options open. And he doesn't say, if you love me, accept all religions as a path to me. No, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. My commandments. The dust has settled, and the division is permanent. After the earthquake of the kingdom split after the death of Solomon, the two kingdoms have begun fortifying their dominion as new, separate entities. Ten tribes are in the kingdom of Israel to the north, and one tribe is in the kingdom of Judah to the south. After the division, the kingdoms were at constant war. Jeroboam, king of Israel, led his forces against the weakened king of Judah, Rehoboam, and the fighting raged for generations after that. Brothers had become enemies, and the once great united kingdom became an ever-fading memory that turned into long-ago history. Never again would the nation see such unity or prosperity. Well, 
never until that great promised king would arise. A king from Judah, who would rule from David's throne over not just Israel, but all the nations as well. Prosperity would return under the Messiah, but surely that king seemed like a distant promise to these warring kingdoms. The division was a problem for the kingdom of Israel in the north, a problem largely associated with that promise of the Messiah to come from the dynasty of David. It was like a magnet for Israelites to the southern kingdom, and many did flee the north for refuge in the south. The south was the place of kingdom legitimacy through David's house, and it was the place of sacrificial legitimacy through the Levitical priesthood. By God's decree, though the southern kings specifically ruled over Judah only, they came to rule over many of the other tribes as well, from Benjamin and Levi to other defectors from the northern ten tribes. Again, this was a problem for the northern kings of Israel. So starting with their first king, Jeroboam, they began to make breaks with Israel. Jeroboam with the two altars to the two golden calf idols, a new priesthood where anyone was invited to join, and a new feast day to compete with the feasts commanded by God and His law through Moses. He set up a sort of counterfeit religion meant to establish his own kingdom rather than true religion to reflect God's kingdom over everything. Rather than keep the commands of God, he set up what looked like a pious religion to the non-Israelites living in and around the northern kingdom. He worshipped gods with sacrifices and priests, and apparently depended upon those gods for blessing. But all of this was false. False gods, false worship, and false religion. All is counterfeit that is not from Yahweh, the one true God. And with all this falsity, Jeroboam did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and God judged his house for his behavior. Through a prophet, Jeroboam was told this in 1 Kings chapter 14. The Lord will raise up for himself a king over Israel, who shall cut off the house of Jeroboam today. And from now on, the Lord will strike Israel as a reed is shaken in the water, and root up Israel out of this good land which he gave to their fathers, and scatter them beyond the Euphrates River, because they have made their Asherim poles, provoking the Lord to anger. And he will give Israel up because of the sins of Jeroboam, which he sinned and made Israel to sin. Jeroboam was previously given opportunity by God for a lasting dynasty like David, but he squandered the chance and rebelled against God instead. For this his dynasty would end, Israel would be unstable like a reed in the water, and eventually Israel would be scattered away from the land of Canaan into a foreign land. Jeroboam introduced a new kind of counterfeit worship, and the kingdom of Israel wouldn't get any better from here. Jeroboam dies, and just as the prophet said, two years after his death, his son the king is assassinated, and the rest of his family is systematically killed by the incoming usurper. One of the only things we hear about the reign of Jeroboam's son is simply this. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and walked in the way of his father Jeroboam, and in his sin which he made Israel to sin. The usurper Basha represents a new dynasty, and he reigns over Israel for the next 24 years. And we read this about his reign. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and walked in the way of Jeroboam, and in his sin which he made Israel to sin. Even in this new dynasty, the sins of Jeroboam keep repeating themselves. None of these kings want to follow Yahweh or acknowledge him as Lord. 
And just as Jeroboam's dynasty came to an end, so would this usurper king Basha's. We hear this from another prophet of God on behalf of Yahweh. Since I exalted you out of the dust and made you leader over my people Israel, and you have walked in the way of Jeroboam and have made my people Israel to sin, provoking me to anger with their sins, behold, I will utterly sweep away Basha and his house, and I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam. Anyone belonging to Basha who dies in the city, the dogs shall eat. And any one of his who dies in the field, the birds of the heavens shall eat. Basha's dynasty gets almost the exact same judgment as Jeroboam's, and it ends in almost the exact same way. After Basha's death, his son reigns for two years before being assassinated by a commander in the Israelite army. A commander who comes to reign over Israel for only seven days, but uses those days to completely destroy the remaining family of Basha. Even in this seven-day reign, this king is described as repeating the same sins as Jeroboam. The northern kingdom of Israel is only about 50 years old, and it's already had five kings from three different dynasties. It's unstable as a reed being shaken by the water. But soon a man would come to reign that would bring a sort of worldly stability to the young kingdom. After seven days, the commander king kills himself, and King Amri soon rises to the throne over Israel. Amri would lead a powerful dynasty over Israel, a dynasty with increasing trade and alliances with other nations. Yet it would be a dynasty with spiritual rot throughout. Amri reigns for 12 years over Israel, and he's described like this in 1 Kings chapter 16. Amri did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and did more evil than all who were before him. For he walked in all the way of Jeroboam, and in the sins that he made Israel to sin, provoking Yahweh, the God of Israel, to anger by their idols. Amri doesn't just do evil. He does more evil than all who were before him. He's the most evil king that Israel has seen so far. Those counterfeits that begin with Jeroboam have only continued to lead the kingdom down a worse and worse path. The false worship may have looked like water to the parched soul, but it was really acid burning from the inside out. The false gods of Israel may have seemed like they could satisfy, but only Yahweh can provide water from a rock and manna from heaven. Only Yahweh can provide protection and victory. Only Yahweh can provide the truth that sets a person free. But as we've seen in the past, so we'll see again with the next king over Israel. Just as Adam listened to his wife and ate the fruit, just as Abraham listened to his wife and slept with Hagar, just as Solomon listened to his wife and worshipped foreign gods, so Amri's son will listen to his wife to lead Israel further down the path of sin. Counterfeits can look really good, but what happens when truth shows up? In the case of Israel, first a drought, then fire from heaven. Join us next time as we meet the most wicked king of Israel and his foreign wife before God sends a prophet to show the power of truth over counterfeit gods. The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible.
Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2023.